When <clears throat> we are in seminary, they teach us that there are three areas from which a homily should be drawn as a priest. Um, now, a priest doesn't have to give a homily except on Sundays. Um, so a priest is required. Sometimes priests don't give a homily on the weekday. That's within, um, that's it, allowed. But the three areas that you've heard me maybe say before that a priest can choose to do a reading, or excuse me, a homily, is first of all from the readings. And let's say 90, probably 90, 95% of homilies come from the daily readings. Whenever sometimes one of our priests goes off of the daily readings, there's used to be some uproar and some condemnation um, on comments and things like that. Stick to the gospel, stick to the gospel. But our church also teaches there are two areas that we should be focused on homilies. One is the saint of the day. So on Sundays, we don't celebrate particularly saints, but um, during the rest of the week, we may celebrate a beautiful saint and the priest is fully able to preach on that saint. And the third is events that are happening in the world that directly affect our living as Christians. I think it's quite clear in the situation that we're seeing in the Ukraine, this category of the third category warrants a few words to be said um, regarding the need for prayer and peace in the Ukraine. In fact, um, whenever this happens to be the case, the comments and letters swarm in about don't be political. If you research the catechism, the catechism is very clear that the priest is supposed to speak on issues, even political, if the dignity of the human person or the salvation of souls is at stake. This absolutely involves both of those, what is happening in the world right now. And so we ask for prayers. Um, I'm offering this mass for peace in the Ukraine. But the question has come up um, in some of the letters that we've received about war. And I don't think we speak about it enough because it's very clear all of us, I think, know in our heart, as the natural law is put in our heart, we never want war. We absolutely never want it. We pray for our Lord to take it away. Um, Faustina used to talk about it a lot in the diary regarding the threats to Poland. In fact, in one of the diary passages today, I was looking and praying on what to say, and this is, <laughs> this is amazing how God works. Um, and so I was reading about where Faustina said, Lord, please protect our borders uh, from our enemies. And so I thought this is, this is a time to find out how did she mean protect? Well, of course, spiritually. But one of the reasons why we need the church is because there are things that the Bible can't cover. The Bible is very clear that not all things are in the Bible. The last words of the last gospel, which is John, make it very clear that not everything is in the Bible but we can nonetheless disregard them or neglect them. For instance, what does the Bible say about in fertilization? It doesn't, but you don't think that that's not morally very important in our day and age, it is. What does the Bible say about artificial intelligence? Something that is going to be overtaking the world and already is. What does the Bible say about artificial intelligence? It doesn't, 
but yet we don't think that that isn't morally important. Of course it is. And what does the Bible say about nuclear war? It doesn't. But that means we, excuse me, but that doesn't mean it's not important. Okay, here's the point. The point is this is why we need the church. This is why we must listen to the church that God gave us that guides us in all of these other areas that are not in the Bible. For us to say sola scriptura violates the Bible itself because these things, such that I just mentioned, are impossible for everything to be in the Bible. But yet all these other things have a teaching from the magisterium. Today, I would briefly like to mention what is the church teaching on war and self-defense? Well, I'm not giving you anything here that's my opinion. This is all directly from the teaching of the church. So please, if you don't like it, write the Vatican, because these are the teachings of our magisterium. This is what the church says. All right, first of all, what about self-defense? Let's go right to the Catechism 2265. And I'm quoting this directly. Legitimate defense can not only be a right, but a grave duty for one who is responsible for the lives of others. The defense of the common good requires that an unjust aggressor be rendered unable to cause harm. For this reason, those who legitimately hold authority also have the right to use arms to repel aggressors against the civil community entrusted to their responsibility. So in other words, they're saying you have the right to use arms to repel aggressors that are against your civil community that is entrusted to you. Now remember, this goes even for you at home. As the head of a household, if you have children in the home and an unjust aggressor breaks in, clearly with the intent to do harm to your family, to severely injure them or to take their life, you have the responsibility to stop that aggressor at any cost possible. This is church teaching. Now, going on to Catechism 2310, public authorities in this case have the right and duty to impose on citizens the obligations necessary for national defense. Those who are sworn to serve their country in the armed forces are servants of the security and freedom of nations. If they carry out their duty honorably, they truly contribute to the common good of the nation and the maintenance of peace. You've heard me sometimes tell the story of my father in the Marine Corps honor guard that was at a funeral of a man whose body was shipped home from Iraq. And a lot of <clears throat> tension was at the funeral because the word got out that some fundamental group, radical group was coming up to protest the funeral and they did, they showed up with signs that this soldier was going to hell because God condemns killing. And the soldier in Iraq was involved in, in fighting. He was killed in the line of duty. That is not church teaching. It is not church teaching as I just read 
that somebody in the armed forces who is doing their duty is going against any law of God. We pray for them that they would never have to use their defense weapons or anything in that sense. Yes, we pray for that. But sometimes it's unavoidable as we just read in the catechism. At that time, these protesters showed up condemning the family, condemning the soldier, saying he will rot in hell. And at that moment, a bunch of bikers came in with American flags and dispersed, let's say, that the protesting crowd without any violence, no problem. It was peaceful. We pray for that kind of peace. We pray for what is happening in the Ukraine. You know, without the battles of Vienna in 1683 and Lepanto in 1571, most likely we would not have a church today. It's very possible that if it wasn't for Vienna and Lepanto, we would not be able to worship. We would most likely all be Islamic. Praise be to God that there were some brave soldiers, especially from Poland, in the battle that happened with Jan Sobieski to defend the beauty of Christendom and the existence of Christendom. So many have died to give freedom that we now have, our religious freedom. And, you know, my, my dad used to ask um, the nuns when he was taught if soldiers who die in battle go to heaven automatically. And he asked me that question once and I said, well, there's no church teaching on this. And you may have heard me say this, but it makes sense because no greater love hath a man than to lay down his life for another. So let us pray for those in the Ukraine who are laying down their life, trying to protect the civilians there. Now, finishing here, not all wars are just, okay? And even in just war, not all actions are just. There's something called the double effect, the principle of double effect that determines if a particular action is just or not, especially in war. I don't have time to go into that. It's a very detailed, maybe a Saturday talk, I will. But I will say this, what the Catechism teaches on just war comes from Catechism 2309. And it says the strict conditions, notice the word strict, strict conditions for legitimate defense by military force. So that's what we're seeing in the Ukraine right now, the defense by military force. The Catechism says requires rigorous consideration. Four things, interesting. The damage inflicted by the aggressor on the nation must be lasting, grave, and certain. It seems that there is that happening in the Ukraine. Second, all other means of putting an end to it must have been shown ineffective. We don't know all the negotiations that went, but we do know that the president of the Ukraine tried to contact uh, Putin, but with no answer, at least according to him. Third, there must be a serious prospect of success. At first, I thought maybe this would be a cause to say they should not take arms up in Lithuania because are they sending them um, in Ukraine 
because are they sending people basically to their death against a much stronger, forceful Russian army? Therefore, should they surrender? But news reports that are coming out, and I don't know how much you can trust the media anymore, but the news reports that are coming out is that, surprisingly, God bless these Ukraines, they're definitely surviving and um, definitely um, persevering. Finally, the use of arms must not produce evils and disorders graver than that, than the evil to be eliminated. In other words, killing civilians, um, innocent people, this would never be allowed. So we finish with two last quotes from the Catechism 2312. The mere fact that war has regrettably broken out does not mean that everything becomes licit between the warring parties. Okay, so let us pray that nuclear weapons will not be used here. So far, there has not been an indication that nuclear weapons will be used. Even within war, there has to be a following of the conscience. You know, in World War I, they used gas and the effects were so horrendous that as crazy and difficult and horrible as World War II was, many more people died, gas was not used on either side. That was labeled to be beyond the scope of warfare. So there is even some sensibility to it. Now, Catechism 2314 says, every act of war directed to the indiscriminate destruction of whole cities or vast areas with their inhabitants is a crime against God and man, which merits firm condemnation. All right, so we have to make sure that we understand that even within a war for it to be just, there has to be the proper principles that are followed. Now, today's reading says not to judge others. It says we are not to judge others. The church has always taught this. Remember, we don't judge the person, only God does. We are, however, to judge actions. You've heard me say this before. I have no idea what is behind your action. I can judge the action, but I can't judge the person. I've used the example before about the mom who told me that she was judgmental because her daughter asked her to drive her to the abortion clinic and pay for her abortion. Um, the point there is, is you can't judge the mom said, very much so, I will pay, excuse me, I cannot take you to the abortion. I cannot pay for it. I cannot, God bless the mom. But thank goodness the mom didn't judge the daughter because she still loved her. Why? Because in many cases, and I believe this was one of them, the girl is threatened. The girl is scared. The woman feels, and in certain cases, the boyfriend said, I will kill you if you have this baby, and I will kill the baby. There are legitimate threats and fears, so we don't know what's behind. Now, here in the situation with the Ukraine, we don't know someone's full meaning. Um, a lot of people have written to me about Putin 
Putin, uh, Putin, and said that he appears to be against abortion. He appears to be standing up for Christianity. I don't know. Is this true? Is that with his motives? Or is this a facade? I don't know. I don't think any of us know. But we can, according to the gospel, judge his actions. And his words have been troubling. His words are, stay out of my way. And I'm taking over. And so we have to realize, though, that even then we can't judge him as a person. I know that sounds surprising. You know, sometimes even mental illness is involved. You remember the story in the 1960s of the man who climbed up the bell tower at University of Texas and killed, was it 23 or 24 students by shooting them at the university? The police finally got to the top of the tower and took his and was able to stop him, but they had to take his life. Again, self-defense. They ended up finding in an autopsy that this man had a brain tumor the size of a golf ball. Now, if that's the case, there may not be culpability fully. So we can't judge the person. Jesus tells us this. But we can judge the action. And this action is wrong, and we need to continue to pray for peace. All right, so to finish, some say we don't, um, well, many realize there needs to be moral reckoning in our world um, right now especially in Russia. Um, I'm not here to get into the debate of whether or not Russia is consecrated, um, whether you believe Russia is consecrated or not consecrated. You've heard me say this many times. We can't control that. That's between God and the Holy Father and past popes. We have no control over whether or not Russia was consecrated. But I will say this. Mary had two parts Mary said that before Russia is converted, two things need to happen. Not just Russia be consecrated, but that we do our first Saturdays. That we go before our Lord on first Saturdays and make reparation to the sacred heart of Jesus on the first Fridays and the immaculate heart of Mary on the first Saturdays. The point is we have not been doing that. Most churches, when I travel around the country, don't even have a first Saturday <clears throat> devotion. There's no mention of it. Most people I've noticed over the last 10 years of doing parish missions have no idea what the first Saturday devotion is. Mary specifically asked for us to do the first Saturday to prevent Russia from spreading her errors. Mary asked specifically for the first Saturday devotion to be one that we follow to pray for peace. Everybody is hung up on whether Russia is consecrated or not. The Vatican has said, yes, it is, due to her document on June 2000 that says it, June 26 of 2000. Again, I'm not here to argue that. What I am here to say is, please, do the second part. Mary has been asking for first Saturdays. First Saturdays, please do this devotion. Otherwise, Russia will spread her errors. I saw this little cartoon clip that said, the world is screaming, what's up with Russia? Why is Russia doing this? And then on the next part of the cartoon, there was a Catholic looking like, seriously, we've been saying this 
for over 100 years. Please pray for the first Saturday's devotion. You know, whether war is just or not, we don't want war. Whether or not we can justify the defense of the Ukraine or not, we don't want war. And so please, it is time now to make reparation to the two hearts. It is time now to tell our Lord we are sorry to make reparation, to pray, to pray the rosary, and to ask Our Lady to intercede. Our situation is dire. Our need for prayer is great. So please join us this Friday at 8 as we do the first Friday dedicated a holy hour for the Ukraine and first Saturday at 11 as we pray the first Saturday devotions. God bless you and let us pray for peace. As Jesus said, mankind will not have peace until it turns with trust to his mercy. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.